I love seeing the Bible come to life. I love seeing the Book of Mormon come to life. But my thought has always been this. If you like the video, go read the book. You'll love it. People are drawn in by hope. And I feel like as long as you show hope that's real and authentic, then the right people will find you. So meaningful is because it starts with our team member, our employee, sacrificing something. Hello and welcome to Latter-day Profiles. I'm Brian Howard. We're here at the LDS Motion Picture Studio in Provo, Utah. And joining me today is Maria Eckersley, or Mech Mom, as many people recognize <laughs> true, her. True, true. Uh, you've done a lot of things. People, if they're in the Salt Lake area, may have seen you on Studio 5. You uh, are a contributor there and do a lot of cool things as well. Uh, I was reading through your background. So your parents joined the church as newlyweds. And then you're number 8 of 10. By the way, I'm the 10th of 10. So oh, I guess we have that con okay. connection. So we're at the tail end. Yeah. <laughs> the tail end. Uh, what was that experience like for you growing up? Of course, 8 of 10. So lots of kids yeah. and, and your parents uh, jumping into the church at a young age. Yeah, it was pretty. I mean, that's all I remember is them being in the church because they they converted before I came around. But yeah. it was a pretty great life. They they got um, kind of cut off from both sides of their family. And so I don't know much about my extended mm -hmm. family or didn't for a long time, um, but had so many siblings that I, you just didn't feel the lack. You know, I mean, it was pretty great. It was busy all the time. I have six older sisters. I'm the seventh. Oh, oh wow. And then there's three boys as well. But it was a pretty great childhood, I have to uh, say. Oh, yeah, those poor boys, I guess. Dominated <laughs> by the, by the, by We're the lucky, Brian. <laughs> I, I have six sisters. I'm sorry. So okay. I, I, I shouldn't say that. Uh, you know, I was reading your notes. You met your husband, uh, Jason, at BYU yep. at a football game. Yeah. Was that uh, just happenstance? Uh, you came Kinda. in and it's a person you sat next to? No, I had, well, his roommate invited my ah, group of roommates you. to come, but they were from the Midwest. So all of his roommates were from Minnesota where Jason grew up and they tailgated there. So then when they invited us to go to the game, it was to tailgate. And uh, we show up hours early to the game to tailgate and there's no one. Because <laughs> tailgating here is not the same as it is in the Midwest. So we had lots of time to chat and ended up, you know, rearranging our seats so we could sit next to each other. And, you know, the rest is history. We were shopping for rings by the end of the season. Oh, it must have been a good football season. It Hopefully, was, it was. It was, We did not win much, but it was a good football season. <laughs> uh, that's good. Well, maybe it's a little bit like this one, I suppose. Hopefully it's a little bit better. Uh, you do graphic design, freelance. Let's get a little bit of your, you know, so you went to college, uh, you met your husband. Mm -hmm. So what was your plan, career track? How did you get involved with, you know, doing what you're doing now? You know, graphic design kind of emerged over time. I studied communications in school, but there wasn't a lot of ways to do that from home. And we had our kids pretty quick. I have six kids and those first three came within four years. But I really have always had a bit of an entrepreneurial spirit. And so I'd always done art and Jason was super techie. And when we connected that way, it was like he taught me the tech side and then graphic design was a natural fit. So it's something I could do late at night. I started working for companies in my area and, you know, friends of friends. And it just came really easily to me. All, all my art training just sort of bubbled to the surface in technology and it worked great. So yeah. that's kind of where it began. Did you, uh, when you're taking classes, did they have like the illustrator for us or whatever? Yeah. Did you take all those classes and then you were, you're ready to roll? Or? I wish I had learned it that way, but no, <laughs> I did not. It was more of a, I got to solve this problem. So I'm going to try and figure it out. It's one of those, all those Graphic design programs are sort of piecemeal. Once yes. you kind of get the basics in one area, the software changes and you got to adapt anyway. So I feel like I just sort of learned as I went and I troubleshooted a lot. I'm pretty good at troubleshooting, so it worked out. So doing freelance, uh, you know, how do you get, you know, your name out there, get people to, hey, get customers? How, how did that work for you? Mine was just word of mouth for mm -hmm. a long time. I think if you show up, you're a hard worker. I feel like all the skills my parents taught me growing up, if you're a hard worker, you 
want to solve problems, all those things come to the surface in almost any profession you do. So in that one, just showing up on time and getting the work done. And my brain likes to think of things a little bit out of the box. I don't know. I just think that's how I was raised. And so having a fresh perspective on how to design something just seemed to catch people's eye. And so it would spread pretty fast. And then I started to sell stuff online because once I realized that if I could design one thing and sell it to 50 people, <laughs> it was a much better use of my time than doing custom one, things yeah. for each person. So at, over time, I started to shift to just like having an Etsy shop at first and then my own site. Okay. So did the Etsy come first and then, you know, when did Mech Mom come about? Because, uh, you know, yeah. you, got, you got six kids. Uh, did it start as you were having uh, children? What, yeah. How did that work? Our kids came in two batches. So we have our older three really close together and then our younger three close together. And in the middle, once my older three were getting to not quite all in school, but close and time was opening up for me, um, I started to get really efficient at mom things. That <laughs> sounds, I don't know how to describe it, but Jason used to travel a lot. So he would travel from Monday to Saturday and so I was on my own with three kids mm -hmm. under six wow. and had to really figure things out. <laughs> so I got really good at that. And my printables tend to help me accomplish a lot of the organization stuff I did. And honestly, Mech Mom started because a Relief Society asked me to come and teach efficiency. I feel mm -hmm. like in another life, I would have been an efficiency expert <laughs> because I was, I got really good at being efficient with Jason gone all the time. So I taught a class to my enrichment or to my Relief Society group and and then they said, where can we find these? We need to be able to see this again. I won't remember. So I created the site and it just grew like wildfire. It grew so fast and people were asking questions and asking me to give more advice on certain areas and it kind of took off from there. Wow. Wow. How, how long ago was that? When did you oh, first gosh. start back mom? I 2005, 2006, so it's been a long time. Somewhere in there. Yeah. So, yeah, and it's been building and still very popular over yeah, time. Yeah, doing great. Yeah, you mentioned something, it was called out-of-box mothering solutions. <laughs> you talked about being out-of-the-box. What does that mean? What's an out-of-the-box mothering solution? Well, I give all the credit to my son, Jack. So he's autistic and we he was diagnosed at age four. This is when Jason was traveling a lot and things were busy and his brain just thinks very differently. And I don't know that mine did until I really started to try and raise Jack because it taught me to just kind of see things in a new light. He, he just, he's a really visual learner. Mm -hmm. He's somebody who takes things very literally. <laughs> so <laughs> I just had to think differently. So simple things like I got really tired of having cars roll under the bed he loved and like under the couches. And so I realized really quickly that if I would just wedge a swim noodle underneath, the, like, you know, maybe a foot back in the couch, yeah. nobody else could see it, but it would block all the cars from rolling on the couch. <laughs> Those kind of solutions are what I'm good at. It's like, okay, what can I come together with in a pinch, not go to the store and solve a simple problem? That's mm -hmm. what I do. So if uh, someone had never visited your site before, come to Mech Mom, uh, things like that, what kind of solutions, what, what are they going to find there? Yeah, they call them mom hacks is mm -hmm. what Studio 5 calls them. They're just like life hacks that are focused on my goal is not necessarily just to make an efficient motherhood time. My goal is to open up time to do something else. So I really feel like the goal is to have more quality, good, fun time, but you have to sort of streamline the monotonous stuff in order to pull that off. So a lot of my hacks are to simplify cleaning and organization and school stuff so that you just can open up time to do what you like, mm -hmm. whether it's with your kids or doing stuff that you just like. I think. Yeah. Hacks kind of help you accomplish those goals. Those kind of things. Yeah. I want to ask you about your son, Jack, because autism is, is fairly common anymore. It wasn't, you know, a few years ago. Uh, how is it for, you know, finding the help that you need? Do people ask you questions concerning autism because of, of Jack? Yeah, I did a YouTube video years ago. I started to post creative object lessons on YouTube, and one of them was about 
how to teach kids with special needs, mm-hmm. like in a primary setting, just because it was something I had learned yeah. kind of the hard way. And I didn't know much about autism when he was diagnosed. I'm sure, I'm, I don't think I still know everything there is sure. about autism, but I learned a lot about watching good teachers and how they pulled things off. And so that's when questions started to come my way. After that YouTube video launched, it got a lot of views, a lot of questions, and people would ask me for more advice on how to do that better. And it was really eye-opening to see I really feel like you see the, I don't know, the sweetness of mm. people who, who don't understand exactly how to find solutions, but they really have a love of the kids that they're teaching and they want to do it better. And it was really rewarding to field those questions. What's uh, your reaction as you know you build this presence and you see the followers, the likes growing? Uh, what does that make you feel like? Is it more responsible? Is like, wow, I wasn't expecting this. I mean, what kind of reaction do you get as you, you, know, you see how many people are enjoying the content that you... Great. I think it's a little bit of both. I think it's, it's, for me, the biggest piece of it is it opens up people who care about me, which mm. seems self-serving, but so great at the same time. The same way my whole ward would pray about me if somebody was sure. sick or in trouble in my family. I feel like all these people feel like they know me and they'll interact with me in some way. And then they, they're kind of on your team. So there's been several times when literally prayers will get answered by a commenter or someone who'll send me a direct message about mm. how something helped and it's an answer to my prayers. So I just feel like it's one of God's ways of like expanding my net, you know, this like safety net that he's created for me, just in a digital way. Are there people that you've got to know uh, specifically through, uh, they've been followers and now, now they're friends, acquaintances, wherever they happen to live? Yeah, I don't, I don't, don't have personal interactions with them, but oh yeah, we have incredible friendships. You wouldn't think it, but honestly, sometimes I have more personal dialogues with people digitally than because you don't see each other very often anymore in person so i have people that i hike with or people that i serve with in a calling and you get pretty close to them but most of the people in your ward even you don't spend an hour or two together with so there's been some pretty profound digital friendships that i still have never met them in person but i feel like they're like a sister it's pretty great yeah just a plus and minus of going to two-hour church right plus covid i mean when do we actually see anybody well you created part of that is the creative come follow me tell me about that because i've really enjoyed the come follow me but i think that probably is a challenge especially with people with younger kids i mean as adults you can just talk whatever supposedly (laughs) right uh, how did that come about well it actually started well, you want me to be blatantly honest? Yes, <laughs> Okay, 2019, when we were first starting, so two-hour church started, and yeah. the 2019 was New Testament, and I was terrible at it, <laughs> to be quite honest. I just, it didn't, I didn't, I didn't feel it for, for a while, and I struggled. The analogy I often use when I teach about this is, you know that in the New Testament, when Peter is out and he's fishing, and he's fished all night long, and there's nothing in the water, and then That's the right. Lord says, go a little farther out, fish on the other side, and... And he doesn't want to believe it, but he does it anyway. That's kind of how I felt when President Nelson talked about, come follow me. Because I was like, I've been fishing here all night. (laughs) There are no fish. If I keep teaching the scriptures to my kids, it's just not going to work. And 2019 didn't go very well. And then I got a prompting, a pretty clear prompting late in 2019 that I needed to humble myself. I needed to rethink about it. And I needed to take my talents and put them to that use. And at first I thought it was just going to be for my family. And then... As it started, I started developing the object lessons and the ideas. The promptings got clear that it needed to be something bigger. And that was really scary to me. Um, but by, you know, a couple weeks before 2020, we, my husband and I both prayed about it. We felt like it was right. And so we decided to launch this course that's all about teaching the gospel, but also helping people motivate others to want to learn it. Because mm. sometimes, you know, you feel like Lehi at the tree where you've 
taking a bite of this delicious fruit and then you're like family come and they don't come (laughs) and i feel like the creative piece for me is how i entice them to come just to learn a little bit more because they're intrigued or they're curious or they're shocked by something that happens and anyway for me that's what works so we we kicked it off in 2020 and then within two or three months the world shut down and we were doing home church and the people who were in the course were eating it up because all of a sudden they were all on their own and they needed fun and they needed light and happiness and the course provided that for my family and a bunch of others it was great well that's a big challenge whether it's come follow me or home evening you know sitting around and staring at each other it gets pretty pretty old pretty fast especially with younger kids and i was watching some of the things that you created like uh the barges for example that was the example (laughs) you had on your website Uh, where do you come up with those ideas like this one is to show you know using a plastic container to show (laughs) hole in the bottom hole in the top kind of thing yeah i was like oh that'd be great my kids would love that yeah it's been pretty cool at first i you know when we started the course i had maybe six or seven in my head and I hit a panic mode about one weekend and thought, I'm not going to have enough. How am I going to do this for a year? And the miraculous thing is the spirit will prompt you in the coolest ways. You know, just this last week, we were doing one about the stick of Joseph and the stick of Judah. And I honestly was getting to the wire where I had to record and I didn't, I couldn't think of one that I liked. My son comes home from school in science class. They'd done this cool thing with a piece of paper where they fold it up and it makes this big noise. And all of a sudden I was like, oh, that could work. And that's what I found with the spirit is if I do the study and it's a lot of study, but if I really do the study and I dial in, he'll prompt me in the coolest, mm. simplest ways. And it's usually while I'm going about my day, not, you know, not searching on YouTube, not looking anywhere else, just I'm doing dishes, I'm doing laundry. And all of a sudden I'll be like, oh, maybe that could work. Mm-hmm. And then it does. Mm-hmm. Pretty great. Not to give it the course, but do you have any favorites? I mean, I, that was the only one I saw because I was looking at the previous. Yeah. Like, oh, that was totally cool. Right? <laughs> I forgot that's I on there. I see my kids sinking the boat, you know, so that ah, didn't work. But. <laughs> Oh, there's a, the my favorites are the ones that my kids love the most. Mm-hmm. And for me, I, right now, the ones who are at home and are engaged in Come Follow Me, I have a 14-year-old boy, and I have a 12-year-old boy, and then a 9-year-old girl, and they love fire. So anything <laughs> we do with fire. In fact, we just did one recently talking about the adversary, and so they lit a ping-pong ball on fire. Have you ever seen this? I haven't <laughs> seen that one. Okay. If you, if you put a fire to a ping-pong ball, it makes this giant torch. I'm not kidding. Is the flame really? is like this high. And then it, within 10 seconds, it dissolves into absolutely nothing. And so we were talking about how the adversary loves to intimidate you with this big show. And then he really has nothing left. I think we were talking about Moses at the time. But oh, yeah. Yeah, that's those fire right. ones, they love, they're, they're, it doesn't seem like something a mom should do to light fires in her mm-hmm. kitchen to excite her kids. But that's what makes it, it works, work. It works, right? it works. Yeah. Now, they use the one with the steel wool and the batteries. Use that one oh, yeah, well. yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> that was cool because that flame went on for a long time. Yeah, it was kind of like a burning right? bush kind of <laughs> Re- reuse that one maybe when you get to yeah the absolutely photos, kind of like that well on there you got videos activities printables i think mm-hmm. things that are really hands-on that people can use because i think that's a challenge to try and come up with so it's good there's creative minds that can help us out because a lot of times i do i draw blank it's okay what are we going to do yeah or they just don't have the skills to build it you right, know like right. i mm-hmm. there are so many people who could come up with ideas but they just don't have the time to put it into that purpose so i feel like if i can come and be that bridge so that they can just enjoy it you know I, i'm we don't make coloring pages we don't make there are always things that you touch that you do something with that your kids will come away and be like actually that was pretty cool yeah. and we found it's been really fun we have a lot of grandparents in the course and you know because they'll have kids over for sunday dinner and grandkids come and so they'll do an object lesson they'll get to say a little testimony and they write me because they just are it, it creates a cool atmosphere of 
you know, like, what's grandma going to do today? It's, it's just really fun. So it's been really rewarding. Just curious, you know, with your kids, perhaps, uh, have, have, has it come back later? You did something that still helps them recollect something that you've taught them? Yeah, just this, le we did one on natural springs. So we've been talking about how he often compares the Savior to a spring that comes out of the earth, yeah. right, naturally. Mm -hmm. So we actually decided we were going to make a natural spring. It's a pile of towels, and you can go through the obstacles <laughs> and learn it. But you see that the rainwater comes down, and then it comes out of a place that's unexpected. Joseph Smith is another good example of that. And it was my kids, every time the word spring is mentioned in the scripture, that's the first thing they'll say. It's like, oh, it's like the towels, right? Like the towels. <laughs> like their, their brain just remembers things. And I think, I think it's the reason the Savior taught in parables. I yeah. think it's, well, one of the reasons, but it just seems to stick. And that's my whole goal is that yeah. they'll, not that they'll remember the showmanship of it, but they'll at least remember how they felt, right? Yeah. That they felt joy and delight and even surprise as they studied their scriptures. And if they they feel that, then I feel like I've pulled something off. Yeah, yeah, got a little attention. Mind isn't yeah. completely on something else, which is yeah. a miracle in some situations. <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> well, you've had uh, uh, worked with Time Out for Women and been mm -hmm. able to do that. What's that experience been like for you? So good, so good. It, it's been hard because it's new for me, so I get nervous, quite frankly. Yeah. But it's it's been really rewarding. A lot of the people in my course are not in the area that I live. They're all over the country. A couple of them in the world. So. To be able to do Time Out for Women has helped me connect with a lot of them face-to-face, mm. -face, which I've never seen before. And and honestly, to just share my testimony in such a vulnerable spot, you know, to be on that stage and to speak my testimony is its scary, but so powerful. It resonates in my heart, and then I feel like I know it better. You know, I step mm. off the stage, and I'm like, I, everything I said was right. Everything was true, and then it sinks a little deeper in me. So. It's been powerful for me. Mm. I really loved it. How to prepare for it? Because it's different. You know, you're doing your videos at home. Are you mm -hmm. one person show, by the way? Do you just record? Well, it's yourself? my family. So okay, family helps. Jason and my 14-year-old uh, edit. Push the record, do some editing for you. Okay, yeah. So Sam sets up the lights. One person show. So <laughs> preparation for that is a lot different. Of course, if you mess up, you just say, I'll record right. that again, right? So here's your time for How do you prepare for that? And what's the difference having a, a live group as opposed to this, uh, you know, of course they can send you notes back right. about their social media, but it's different when they're looking you in the eye. Oh, I love it. I, if I could teach live all the time, I would. Cause I just feel like you can just catch someone's eye and you can tell that the spirit's working on them. And there's just this connection that happens when we gather that, I, I mean, I, I think it's great to do online video. And I think that's, it's great to be able to reach into households I couldn't get otherwise. But if I could teach live all the time, I would. Mm -hmm. I love it. There's a, a different kind of spirit there. Yeah, I think it's interesting. There, uh, obviously, men and women are very different. I can't see a timeout for men exceeding, succeeding <laughs> yeah. very well. But, but what is there about that gathering of uh, like-minded women, women who are trying to be spiritually fed, that makes it a, such a special experience? I think just being around so many people who are hungry. You know, they, you walk into the room and you can tell. You know, they've lined up babysitters. They've, their husbands have taken time off work. They've arranged a whole bunch of things so that they can just get to this space and just soak it in and you don't feel like that necessarily in relief society you don't feel like that in other spaces but in that space they've taken a lot of time and they've spent a little money so that they can enjoy mm. so i feel like they just come in ready to just whatever you've so got for me i'm going to take it and it's delightful to teach I just realized time out for men is like a football game. So I guess that's where, that's where, <laughs> so they're at. Like, that's, that's where they all go. Yeah. Hot dogs <laughs> and true, uh, football true. kind of thing. Uh, you served a church service mission doing family search. Tell me about that. that yeah, that was fun. great. This was right in the middle of a, a really busy, hard time because my husband had been sick and my daughter was just going on a mission and it was busy. But I got an invitation to be a church service missionary for family search. And at my initial reaction, because of all the craziness, was, oh, this isn't the right time. And so. <laughs> 
you'll laugh, but the, I, I was, went to the temple to pray about it, to decide if this was the right way to use my energy and my time at that point in time. And the temple is not the place to go if you want to know on family <laughs> history, because the answer I got was pretty simple and profound. And I was worried that I was going to run faster than I had strength. And the answer I got was, Maria, just run and I'll give you strength. Mm. And that's what happened. I, I didn't love family history before I started it. Remember I told you how our family got cut off, yeah, kind right, of. Yeah. So I really didn't grow up knowing grandparents or great-grandparents. or So I had no emotional tie to those lines. Um, and that changed mm. in that calling where I felt that veil get thinner. I felt like as I learned and as I taught other people how to learn, I, I could see what was missing in my life that I didn't know was missing before. And it was a beautiful thing. Wow, it sounds like a great experience. Yeah, it really was. So, really, you got hands-on helping other people, trying mm -hmm. to find. And did you find some for yourself as well? Yeah, it was great. And uh, all those names, I knew their names because my parents always respected their parents and their ancestors. And they taught us, we knew their names and their stories. But to come to love them, I didn't expect. Yeah, I thought I would know them. I didn't expect to love those names. Mm. And over the course of those years, learning how to do family history better, that's why I felt. I felt like I came to love people that I didn't even know... I couldn't, I couldn't have pointed them out on the street, hmm. but yeah. Fell a deep love for them. Yeah. I wanted to ask you about your, your husband, Jason. So, you know, back in 2016, diagnosed with cancer. Yeah. That's got to be a, uh, I don't know, what was that like to hear that? I mean, it's got to be something that just takes you a big blow. It was, it was kind of terrifying, to be honest. Uh, his uh, diagnosis was pancreatic cancer, which is uh, the deadliest one. Yeah. And it was one of those situations where when they came in, we had six kids, our oldest was 16, and they went to go review the scans and then they came back into the room and nobody would talk to us oh. or make eye contact. And we were like, oh, something's wrong. <laughs> and over the course of that 24 hours, we learned the diagnosis and did all the searches and got the, you know, his chances of making it to five years were, I think, 4%. Oh, wow. And so it was, yeah, it was a lot to process all at once. But at the same time, it, it I tend to describe it like an eye of a hurricane. So it was one of those times where I could see all the chaos swirling around us and everybody else could see the chaos but there was also this like profound stillness between the two of us um we felt okay not that he was going to be physically okay but that we were going to be okay and i couldn't explain how i knew that or why i felt it uh, but we've seen that so it's been a remarkable thing to see he said several recurrences and we're still fighting cancer to this day but uh, we're still okay and we still feel peace in the middle of all this hard. So it's been hard, but really good at the same time. Yeah, it's an incredibly challenging situation. I just think as you, I, mean, I don't know that there's any time more than we face our mortality when you hear yeah. something like that, right? So you try right. to take stock in where you are, uh, probable spiritually and in a lot yeah. of ways. Is that the experience that you had? Yeah, he, he had been called to be the bishop just a couple months before oh, his wow. diagnosis. And then he served the whole time for, well, he was just released this last summer. So that had, I, I just can't be grateful enough for that calling because I felt like it grounded him in a way that I don't know that we would have had otherwise. We had the primary kids praying for him and singing to him and, mm -hmm. all, you know, like he, you just felt people rally around our family that in a way we didn't deserve um, that will, it just, it held us and it was a remarkably good thing. Mm -hmm. You've also had the opportunity to do uh, YSA Calling, just the yeah. Teaching Institute, right? Yes. How, oh. how is that? Are you still doing that? Or yeah, that, yeah, yeah. This is, um, I've done it maybe nine months okay. or so, and I absolutely love it. I really love this age. I have YSA age kids myself, but 
there is something so fun to me. It's fun because I have the course to do a little bit younger, more teenage and younger. And then the YSA calling is a lot more cerebral. It's more, they come with hard questions. They come with some of submissions and some haven't. Some are, they're just all over the map. And you never know who's going to walk in the door. And I love that piece because mm. I feel like it makes me so agile. You know, you need the spirit because you wouldn't know how to do it otherwise. Just last night when I was teaching, we had somebody who came in who had just been baptized and somebody who I didn't learn until the end of class isn't even a member and just mm. came in to see what they thought. And it was, it's so fun to see how the spirit teaches you as you're teaching how to connect. You know, I don't do it perfectly by any stretch, but, but that age just lights me up because That's I feel awesome. like, there's so many that get lost, yeah. right? And so to see them show up and sit in class and be like, I'm ready, just show me, you know, what are you going to teach me today? And then have the spirit with you so that you can show up and teach. It's just, there's a magnetism to it that I love. I wish I could do it more often. Yeah. It's great. Yeah, that's, like, that's a great going. I, I thought about this a lot, you know, people like yourself who have a platform now on social media. Mm -hmm. uh, what do you feel like that's an important thing for people like yourself to do what you're doing to offer some maybe some hope, some light, some fun yeah, in a world so. that's not so much, yeah? I think so. I think it's a way, you know, um, President Campbell, I guess through his wife, but he talked about how the women in the latter days, you know, President Nelson yeah, referenced yeah. that same quote, yeah. where we need to be distinct and different in happy ways. And that's how, I, that's what I feel like you get to do in social media. I think as long as you don't get stuck in this idea of I need to assimilate in order to become popular, if you just choose to be yourself and to be distinct and different and articulate in a good, I don't think happy means, I think it's Sister Eubank who said, Happiness doesn't mean like slapping a plastic smile on your face. It means like you talk about what's hard. So on my social media, it's a lot about Jason. It's a lot about where we've had hard times, but how we find hope in those hard times is what draws people to, at least to my particular accounts. They, I think us sharing the joy that we have in the little small moments, even in the middle of chemo rounds and everything mm -hmm. else, draws people in. People are, people are drawn in by hope. Mm -hmm. And I feel like as long as you show hope, that's real and authentic, then the right people will find you. So I've really loved that piece of it. Maria Eckersley, it's been a pleasure to talk with you. Mac Mom, Thanks. right? You're on social media, Instagram, all the <laughs> platforms, you'll find your stuff out there. Check it out and uh, I really appreciate you taking the time to come and visit. Thanks. Thank you, Brian. It's been great to be here.